You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Welcome back, and thanks for downloading our podcast today. So I'm studying a lot of church history these days because I'm taking a master's course in theology through St. Joseph's College in Maine. And one of the figures that came up in the past couple of weeks was Blessed John the Twenty-Third, and he was the Pope who actually began Vatican II. You know, those of us who grew up after Vatican II seldom have the appreciation of what the Church looked like before this important council. And I bring it up today because, well, we're all about advancing our Church. And it's hard to imagine just where we would be today if John the Twenty-Third hadn't engaged all those Church leaders in this council. And he took a lot of heat for it. I'm sure that some of you have tried to implement change in your institution, and you probably received a little resistance. Well, try changing the way people celebrate Mass. People don't like change, and some resisted the reforms. But what came about was the rebirth of a church, because this Pope believed that the current structure wasn't reaching people. And I found this quote from Blessed John the Twenty-Third that I want to share with you today, because I think it's so relevant about what we're going through as a church. And he says, Consult not your fears, but your hopes and your dreams. Think not about your frustrations, but about your unfulfilled potential. Concern yourself not with what you tried and failed in, but with what is still possible for you to do. Wise words, and perhaps words for us to pray about. Keep trying, and keep plugging away. Don't give up. And I hope that you realize your potential. So on that note, let's get to work. So let's talk about another man who pioneered new thinking and helped to move his diocese forward. Today, we finish our coverage of the 2019 International Catholic Stewardship Conference with an interview with Monsignor John Bracken. Monsignor Bracken stopped by our booth at ICSC this year, and we had a terrific impromptu interview about his life as a priest and his career, not only as the Vicar General, but also as the very first Director of Development for the Diocese of Brooklyn. Monsignor has been a priest in the Diocese of Brooklyn for over 52 years, and so for those of us who have served in diocesan development positions, Monsignor Bracken is a bit of a legend, because he literally created the job of Development Director right at the time in history when the bishop's pastoral document, Stewardship, a Disciple's Response, was published, and he talked about the nature of stewardship and how he was called into this special ministry. So the interview was a real treat for me. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Monsignor John Bracken. We're here at the International Catholic Stewardship Conference with Monsignor John Bracken of the Diocese of Brooklyn. Monsignor, good to see you today. Great to be here again. Always, what, what a fabulous week to come. Absolutely. The weather's been nice here in Chicago. Oh, yes. Have you been doing a little bit of sightseeing? I went out on Riverwalk. I just can't believe the changes that have taken place along Riverwalk, the architecture, the buildings. It's just a beautiful city to... Apart from New York, it's a beautiful city. It is. You were sitting here, you are standing here a minute ago talking with uh, our friend Tom Farrell. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jim. And, uh, you know, just kind of chatting a little bit. Uh, Monsignor, tell us a little, a little bit about your career in the Diocese of Brooklyn. I found it really fascinating. Well, I was ordained in 1967, so yeah. I'm one of the dinosaurs that are around. <laughs> <laughs> and I had great parish experiences until uh, one day um, I got a phone call from the bishop's office. It's yeah. like being summoned to the principal's office. I didn't know what was going to happen. Bishop McGarrow, I went down, and uh, 
he asked me to become an Episcopal vicar. Now, I had not been a pastor. I was just an associate who was kind of like going from the ranks to be chief of the department almost. And that, that's where I got started as a, as a territorial vicar. I remained in that position for about seven years. I had uh, about 60 parishes under my direct jurisdiction. And also during that period of time, then uh, I had other diocesan jobs given to me by the bishops. One that I'm most proud of is that I was in charge of the Douglaston Project, where unfortunately the college seminary had to be closed, and I went to the bishop because of budgetary constraints, and we have to close, and I figured he's going to throw me out the seventh floor window, because uh, he was a graduate of Cathedral College, and he said, come back with a plan, and we came back with a plan, which resulted in the Mecca Conception Center, which is a great asset we have in our diocese as of today. Oh, tremendous story. And for a time, you were the Vicar General, right? Well, um, Bishop Daly came, and I said yeah. I was very happy to be uh, an Episcopal Vicar. Seven years, now I could become a pastor. My mother used to say, Jack, when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, when are you going to become a pastor? And I'm at the um, Cathedral for Holy Thursday Chrism Mass, and the Bishop's secretary gets me, and he says, Jack, the Bishop wants to see you on Saturday morning. It's a Saturday morning. It's always Saturday. Right. So I'm driving on the famous BQE, Brooklyn Queens Expressway, right. mumbling to myself. I said, because at that point I was in charge of the budget committee. I said, I hope he doesn't want to talk about budgets and everything else. So I and I go I sit down. Bishop Daly was um, all Bostonian, but he was he was he was, he was uh, so avuncular, just warm and welcoming. And he said, Jack, you've been doing a great job as the Episcopal Vicar. I know you've been the vicar for almost seven years. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to become a pastor. Isn't this great? And he said, uh, um, Jack, I would like you to become the director of uh, development and stewardship in the diocese. Whoa. Long pause. There's a curveball. And I said, uh, we don't have one. And he said, and we do now. <laughs> and in my mind, was like, this is the worst thing you could ask a priest from the 60s to do, right. to be a fundraiser. Right. Because I used to think, oh, those old pastors, all they ever did was talk about money, money, money. So, in shock, I leave the place. I get down. I've got to walk across the street to get my car. I stepped off the curb, and somebody had forgot to clean up after their dog. Ooh. And I stepped... I'm not making this up. You know, I never, you never let the truth interfere with a good story, but this is true. I stepped right in, I looked at it, and I was like, happy Easter. I was absolutely, totally miserable when I got home that, at that morning. I said, this is awful. It happened to be a life-changing moment for me and a life-changing moment, I would humbly say, for the Diocese of Brooklyn when the bishop gave me that job. I'm sure. So you actually had to set up a brand new development office. Nothing existed before. And you'd never done this job before. And I said, help. Where do I learn how to be a director of development, institutional advancement? They used to use those big words. Sure. And I heard about this organization called the National Catholic Stewardship Council. And I heard that they were running a conference, their first independent conference here in the very city of Chicago in 1991, and I went as a neophyte knowing absolutely nothing, and I met the most magnificent people. It was like they captured lightning and jar. I met the likes of Archbishop Tom Murphy, um, 
Jim, Archbishop Jim Kelleher. I met the, the uh, Dutch and uh, Schultz and all these kinds of people. And they said, don't worry, we'll help you, we'll help you. And what I learned is that, the, that there was no priority, no possession of things. If they had something, they were shared it so generously. So I went home and I took the stewardship principles and started to put them in the place. And that was the time when the bishops were writing the letter, which they published in 93. So I was lucky enough to be brought in at a time when this organization was really starting to blossom. And the principles that I learned from the bishop's pastoral letter have influenced my whole life ever since then. So that was the life-changing moment in my life was what is now ICSC. Tremendous. And so you went ahead and implemented those thoughts of the, of the bishops in the past, which I was did. very new at the time, yes. as well as all the other mechanics of setting up a development shop. Well, yeah. uh, then it had to be bringing all the, the, the database together. Yeah. And, you know, there's a line that you have to use in diocese. You know, I'm here from the chancery, and I'm here to help. Right. Uh, it's not always accepted so right. I had to get the <laughs> I had to get the database from the pastors who were very possessive of it and build a database from address address plates um, labels cards so we had to do all of that and just try to bring this whole thing together to do a, an annual appeal so I I was working on that and I thought we were very successful and then Bishop Daly who was the first bishop of Palm Beach goes down to Palm Beach to celebrate an anniversary of the establishment of the diocese and found out that they were running a capital campaign. <laughs> so he came back to Brook and he said, I'm going to run a capital campaign. Jack, you're going to do it. <laughs> and they introduced me at a presbyteral council meeting. He said, now, Jack, tell them all about it. I went, well, uh, yeah, we're going to run. Uh, oh, but well, the goal will be $50 million and it's going to be for endowments. And I, I went, all through, I made it up out of whole cloth in front of everybody. <laughs> What happened is that we decided to move forward with it. There were some of our neighbors who didn't think that poor Brooklyn could do it. How could Brooklyn raise $50 million? And lo and behold, because of the way we organized it, we brought stewardship principles into it. The first thing we did was hire an accounting firm to do an audit. Not of any, we had no money, but just the whole system that we are going to process through. And then as the campaign went on, financial reports were sent to everybody for the whole length of the campaign. Not only did we make the $50 million, we raised $78 million and we established a diocesan foundation, which is called the Diocesan Foundation of Brooklyn and Queens today. But all of the stewardship principles that we learned, we put into practice. Um, transparency, accountability, and it was the um, first capital campaign the diocese has run since 1957 so and the foundation is 20 years old now or 21 years old now so but i attribute everything to the bishop's pastoral letter on stewardship the associations i made with the, the professionals and the priests and the religious who come to these conferences and i always encourage people to come because if you come to this conference it's worth it because if you just go home with one new idea yeah it's going to help so i think ICSC has changed um, the history of the Diocese of Brooklyn because of that holy Saturday morning meeting that I had with Bishop Daly when I wow. thought he was punishing me. What a great story. $75 million on a $50 million goal. Your right. first campaign out the door. It was all paid for yeah. through the investments. Mm -hmm. We invested the money as soon as it came in. The parish just got a lot of money out of it. Um, 
I thought then I was free. I have done all this. And then one day I get a phone call from Bishop Daly. He says, Jack, you want to come in and see me at, at the house? I should have known something was up at the when, house. When you go to the house, right. So, uh, and, and I heard afterwards that some of my, quote, friends from the um, College of Consultants put my name forward. And the Bishop Daly said, you know, Jack, he's not going to be retiring in a couple of years, but I really got to bring everything together. And I want you to be the vicar for administration. Build us a new chance for your office. Bring all the programs in the diocese and put them into place so that when the new man comes, everything is done. As I was leaving, he said, I don't know whether I would have said yes. <laughs> At least he was honest. Right? But we were able to do all that. And then when um, Bishop Daly retired, Bishop DiMarzio, he asked me to continue to do the work, uh, which was a, a lot of just restructuring how we did things. The best business practice. The bishop's pastoral letter says the highest ethical, fiscal, and legal standards, not because it's good business, but because it's good stewardship. Mm. So we try to bring all those um, principles into play, accountability, transparency, the issue of financial reports, meetings with the pastors, visitations. Whenever there was a question, I would go out and visit with the pastor right away, Th those kinds of things. And when Bishop DiMarzio came, he said, I want you to take the title of uh, Vicar General for, for Financial. So I went from the reluctant steward. I always tell people I was the most reluctant steward. I was that picture of uh, the call of Matthew in Caravaggio when, when he's pointing me and he said, not me, Lord. No, no, no. But, but it was. And, it was. But it made all the difference in the world. Yeah. In my personal life and how I look at priesthood and how I look at my work in parishes and what it's done for our diocese. So um, stewardship is a way of life. It's a process. It's not a program. It's not about money. It's how we live our gospel. The one thing I've learned, and I tell people all the time, as a good steward, you can never say thank you enough. Because if you miss the opportunity to say thank you to people, it never comes back. It's like gone in the ether. Always say thank you, because we're thanking the Lord, because everything is a gift to us. They are a gift, but also that we are a gift to others. That's humbling that we, to realize that the God who saved us wants us to be a gift to others. For that, humbly, we say thank you as well. Monsignor, I'm sure that as uh, development director for the Diocese of Brooklyn, especially in that new role, and the bishop's pastoral being so new at the time, I'm sure you had to coach a lot of pastors on how to ask for money. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how some of those conversations went? Well, I, 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 I tell a story when we were beginning a campaign, and uh, I, we introduced the fact that myself and the director of the camp would visit every single pastor, right? no matter who, we would visit. So I, I gave them a tour of the diocese, we went in. So I, I go to a, one of the large parishes in, uh, in Queens, uh, St. Sebastian's, and the pastor is a very good friend of mine. And I walk in, and he says... Bracken, you bureaucrat. That's the way he started the conversation. So it had to be uh, to convince people. There was a, another fellow who said, I doubted you completely. I couldn't believe it. He says, but you were so right. When it was all over, he said, follow the plan, follow the plan, follow the plan. Here's the way you do it. And people are generous. John Paul said, nobody is so poor that they have nothing to give and none are so rich that they have nothing to receive. It becomes an opportunity. You need poor people to help you become 
faithful in helping the poor. So we're able to introduce stewardship um, principles uh, to pastors. It's difficult. I mean, the, you know, try to ask somebody for a, you know a gift of a hundred thousand dollars if that's right. what the gift is. I mean, you got to steal yourself for it. Sure. But, uh, but uh, I, I would say to people, uh, pastors, the patron saint of special collections is Saint Paul. Read the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Everywhere he went, he took up a collection to send back to Jerusalem. <laughs> um, so it, it's an invitation. You invite people. Uh, Personally, uh, not by email, not by uh, you invite people to consider, prayerfully consider a gift. I remember going to a, a pastor and he said, Jack, there's nobody in my parish who can give $5,000. I said, well, it's all the rich people that you know. I said, okay. But follow the plan. So when it's all over, he, he grabs me and says, Jack, I have to apologize. I said, what, the, what happened? Continue. He said, I was going to visit a family. And I'm going to ask for the $5,000 gift. And they said, Monsignor, we know why you're here. Now he's convinced. Say, I was right all on. He said, do you realize what you've done for our family and our parish? And we know you're going to ask us for money, but we've decided not to give you $5,000. So he was convinced it was a failure. He said, no, we've decided to give you $15,000. Wow. So uh, it was an education process. Uh, spend time with the pastors. They are, they are the key pastors have to be respected uh, help them in every, any way be there for them it, w- it was all of those kinds of things mm-hmm. and at the end of it they you know when um, we were doing a, um, a presentation to the, uh, uh, the, the the clergy to thundering silence when it was going to be announced even the auxiliary <laughs> bishop nobody was applauding but the uh, the priest had said to the, the bishop if anybody's going to give the financial report it has to be Jack because we trust him. So, being honest and open, uh, having the the, uh, the opportunity to discuss and allow them to a- ask questions and answer 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 the phone and 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 write back to them. That made the difference with the, with the pastor. So I was I was blessed in that way. Uh, so that when we ran our capital campaign, everybody exceeded the goal. Everybody. The, the funny story is that uh, I had picked out of the air what it was going to cost. I didn't know how much it was going to cost. So I said, $50 million, I can't say, you know, 10%. I can't do that. That's good. So I threw out a number. I said, $4 million. I, I made it up. Nobody. <laughs> it's going gangbusters. Boom, 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 boom. And um, we're, we're up with $50 million. We're not even anywhere. And I get a call from the finance office. You're over budget. You're over budget. I'm raising all this kind of money. You're over budget. You just said it was going to go. And I was like a madman. Like, and I was like this crazy Irishman. I was like, I'm going to write a whole letter in a book. I, 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 I did nothing eventually, but I just said, I must have been a better fundraiser than I was a budgeteer <laughs> because we raised $78 million. Yeah. And it cost a little bit more. I said, I wasn't going to stop raising the money. Right. Yeah. But a lot of fun happening too with the, you know, with the, with the, uh, with the staff. It brought people together. It brought the, uh, when you would go to a parish and they were successful, they were so pleased and happy about themselves. They couldn't believe how, how what they had done together. Uh, and they, uh, they just felt good about themselves and what they saw uh, was happening in their parish. Uh, but again, was introducing the fact that this is yours. yours. Nobody's going to put $500,000 on your doorstep. You know, but follow the plan. Trust your people. They love their church. Uh, be honest and open with them. Uh, invite them to uh, 
to uh, a, a new way of looking at their, their parish. Mm-hmm. Great advice, Monsignor. And, and, uh, and I've heard that from so many development directors over the years. Developing that solid relationship with the pastors is so key. And obviously, it played a big role in your success. <laughs> Unbelievable. Great. So, uh, my last question. Yes. You know, the abuse scandal has affected all of us all across the country. And um, I'm just... How, how has that impacted the Diocese of Brooklyn, and what, what measures have you all taken? Well, we're, we're like everybody else. You know, yeah. um, our diocese has um, published the names of all those who have been credibly um, uh, accused. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, so many of them are already dead. Um, it was shocking sure. in, in my role as Vicar um, um, General. I would have known the more recent cases. Sure. Uh, I was involved in um, our insurance program. Uh, we have a I established a captive insurance company while I was there uh, to handle all the kinds of losses. Um, we named it after a, a wonderful Irish immigrant, um, Peter Turner, who in 1821 petitioned the Bishop of New York. Uh, Brooklyn was his own city at that point to establish the first parish on all Long Island. So we named this insurance company the Peter Turner Insurance Company. So I was involved with the insurance meetings on a regular... So I knew names of things that were current. And by mean current would be in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, where, or maybe into the early 2000s when we would be settling some of these cases. Sure. Um, once the, um, uh, the diocese went public, some of these, these men were from 40 years ago. Sure. I only knew them by name. Yeah. Um, it is a sad chapter of our history. Um, I was talking to people these people um, are the broken vessels yeah. they are the wounded and Jesus said he came for the wounded mm-hmm. and the broken uh, not for the healthy our hearts go out to anyone who is victimized the parents and the family and the repercussions that it all has but also uh, the, the 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 servant leader who was broken as well sure. um, and I have um, recently uh, you know been dealing uh, with some of those those men mm-hmm. um, to reassure them that they are not lepers. They're going to have to carry their cross for the rest of their, their natural lives. But we as a church are a forgiving church. We believe in that. We believe that we are sinners, all of us to some degree or another. Uh, unfortunately, when you talk about the scandal, um, there is no degrees. It's just you're found credible. It could be something very minor to something very heinous the way we had the stories about um, um, Boston. Um, but um, we, can, we cannot forget that we are Christ Church and, and, and Christ came to give healing both to those who have been victimized and their families. In our diocese, we have set up a program uh, Bishop DiMarzio has speaks to every single person who comes forward, and we had a compensation program that was set up that families could come. Uh, New York State now has uh, passed a look-back legislation which began August the 15th, and it's a one-year uh, openness to any claims made without statutes of limitations. As a result of that, there are law firms advertising constantly on radio and TV, in New York about if you've been abused, come forward. So it's, sure. a, it's an open season on it. Um, Tough where time. is going to tow? 
Yeah. But um, I know that um, at the time of um, the McCarrick, he became to um, the forefront. Uh, I, th- I think I had a s- 9 o'clock, 8.30 mass, and I spoke about it. And um, when I finished, I got a standing ovation. Wow. And then people coming up to me saying how difficult it must be for you. And then I spoke again at the, uh, at the Sunday mass. People were very, very responsive. It's... Uh, it's it's a terrible um, purgatory that the church is going through, but sure. one has to feel that, you know, using that um, wonderful reading from uh, uh, funerals as gold in the furnace, he proves us mm. uh, as sacrificial offerings. He takes us to himself. Mm. So it's in the time of crisis and purification yeah. that we will become a better church. I thought, you know, that uh, I would never see this day. I never would have thought that growing up as a kid in the 50s with the Brooklyn Dodgers that uh, you know my, my vocation would not be tested at the end but sure. it, it's, a, it's a time that's testing us it's testing the church uh, we have to be strong courage we have to be courageous and, and understand that we are stewards yeah we are we are thankful for what God has given us but we're thankful for what God has spared us and also thankful for the fact that even in times like this Jesus is there with his grace to help us um, to grow to a better understanding of, of the mission and you know he says take up the cross each day and walk in my footsteps that's what we're doing that's what we're doing and you've done that Martin Senior and I, I couldn't agree more we've talked about it a lot on this podcast from the same perspective that you're taking it that there it is we have to be able to discuss it uh, put it in some kind of context and perspective but also talk how we're being accountable for it and you've obviously done that and I'm sure that's why you got the standing ovation because you're able to talk about mm-hmm. it right um, and I've heard it also said that you know stewardship and evangelization well those are going to be the things that help also renew the church and brings us conferences like we're at what we're at today help revitalize and reinvigorate the parishes and, and hopefully we'll continue to do that in the future I heard um, one of um, the uh speakers today which reminded me of something that uh, I thought was so important when I uh, went to St. Francis de Sales in 1967 wearing my short sleeve clerical shirt which was known as a witness shirt oh. at that particular time because it was a little you know after Vatican II and everything else and after celebrating my first mass there on the Sunday that I was there was, was the feast of um, Peter and Paul and it was a hot Christmas and at the end of Mass, I went out and stood in front of church. And the pastor said, we don't do that here. And I said, I do. <laughs> Good for and, you. Um, I always stood out in front of church. So I went back as the administrator. And then I was given, um, uh, as a part of the was there were two priests that were sent to be um, associates. And I said, there's only one thing I ask. I, I don't ask for a lot of everything. I said... I want you to be in front of church after every Mass. Mm. And those folks who went to church, they knew that after every Mass, from the first one at 7.30 to the 12.30 in the afternoon, the three priests were always out in front greeting people. That is part of the hospitality of stewardship, meeting people, knowing them, inviting them. Um, and that, that's so important to make that, that uh, association with people greeting them, welcoming them, knowing their families, visiting with them. Um, that's, that's a good part of, uh, of building up community. We are the people of God, the, the family of God. 
I can't think of a better way to end our, our time together. But Monsignor, thank you for your vocation. Thank you for your career and the impact you've made on the diocese. And I'm certain that your association with ICSC has impacted other dioceses and inspired others to do the work that you've, you've done so this well. This is true. I have been um, asked to speak at uh, different dioceses around the country over the years. And it was always a... I would have to introduce myself because say, I, I really am speaking English, but we speak a different kind of English uh, in Brooklyn. So uh, right. I hope you understand that and can understand me. But I did have the opportunity to be an ambassador wow. for ICSC, uh, at different parishes, or, or, you know, different dioceses. And so it was a great opportunity for me to tell my story mm-hmm. because it was a personal conversion that I went through uh, being the reluctant steward to where we are today. And it's great to be back. The enthusiasm is here. There's not too many people here from 1991, but to see all these people, see yep. familiar faces, because I, I think I missed one conference, <laughs> and I was in Rome that year. But wow. I only because every time I come back, I feel energized, and I want to go home and tell people, yes. you have to go, you have to go. It's it's going to change your life if you go and uh, hear the message, because it's stewardship is a it's a great way of life, and it'll change you. Thanks for being on our show today, Monsignor. It was really great to chat with you. Thank you, Jim. God bless. God bless you. Thank you, Tom. Monsignor, thank you. All right. I want to thank Monsignor Bracken for being on our show this week. You are an amazing inspiration to all of us, and I was so grateful to have that time with you on our show. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and the Pottery Studios for their support of our show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been both advising nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, have a great week, everybody. Take care and God bless.